Hi everybody, I'm Peter Travers. Welcome to Popcorn, where we tell you what is happening in the culture. And the culture, in terms of what people binge watch now, is certainly on television. So if you're going to watch AMC, you watch a show called The Sun, starring my guest today, Pierce Brosnan. It takes its time, and when it gets to you, it stays with you. So congratulations, Pierce, for Thank what you've you. done. Thank you. Thank you so much, yeah. Peter. Do you want to set it up uh, about who Eli McCulloch really is? Eli McCulloch, who, who I play, Colonel Eli McCulloch, is a, is a man of his time in 1915 when the story starts. Uh, he's a man who comes from the pages and the imagination of Philip Meyer, who wrote the book. It's a sophomore book. It's, he was already heralded as a writer, Philip, for American Rust. Now comes the sun and this glorious character, Colonel Eli McCullough, who, uh, who's, who, there's a duality to the man in the sense that he was captured and his family annihilated by the Comanche, mm -hmm. who, who, who ruled the plains back then in the, in the 1800s. And, uh, you know, so the, the, the pioneers of, of the day who went into these lands really did go into uncharted territory. Eli McCullough is a, is a casualty of that in the sense that he was captured, brought up by the Comanche, and when the curtain goes up on our story, you find him with his two sons and the family, the granddaughter, and he's trying to make the transition from being a cattle baron into being an oil baron. Find that oil under that land. Find the oil. I know. I like how it's handled, though, in terms of the flashbacks to him as a child. Oh, good. It's not like oh, good. we see it all. And then we, we come back to it. Mm. We watch what's happened yeah, to it, him as a child and what's forming him. He is a little bit of a rat bastard. He is, but he's, I mean, he's a man born of violence. He's he a man who's been brutalized and fractured by the, the trauma of his life. And he, he knows that he has to control the violence himself. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be the first one to throw the punch. And he will probably be the last man standing. Uh, he's a good man in many respects. He is. But he, you know, and he is mightily protective of his family. And he's very forward-thinking, probably more so than his sons. And he knows that the times are, are changing radically, and he wants to be part of that change. But it's a very brutal piece. And because of the, it's relevant in the sense of the borders that were set then, we now suffer the consequences of those borders in our day and age and the politics of the day and the walls that want to be erected. Mm -hmm. And so then you had the, you had the white folks up against the, the, the Comanche and the Comanche and the Mexicans. Nothing's really changed. It has a little bit, like in terms of Western history, there's a little of giant in it. And I think a lot of The Searchers, which is maybe my favorite Western of all time, because it's I'm living in another culture, and what does that other culture mean yeah. to me? Yeah. Do I hate it? You know, mm. but your character can't hate it because even though his family is killed at the hands mm. of the Comanche, mm -hmm. he's still raised by them. Mm -hmm. So you do have this—you have this man that uh, conceals who he is, really, and has the violence yeah. of the Comanche mixed in with the kind of the brutality of the white man as well. And the searches is a good reference point because I, on a couple of occasions I, I used the John Wayne gesture and posture, if you remember in the searches, oh, yes. right in the right uh, in the, the doorway, the door, yeah. And he holds his arm like that. His favorite thing. Yeah. Yes, that'll uh, be the day. Which John? <laughs> that'll <laughs> yeah, be the day. 
<laughs> which John Wayne took, I think, from the director that he was working with. I think Ford did such a shadow move as this. However, it's, it's, it's something like Giant. It's something like, you know, for John Ford, The Searchers. Um, but is it, I'm talking, it's luxurious to do this kind of thing. And this is, you haven't done a TV series in 30 years, right? Remington it's Steel. It's been a long time. Well, long they, they time. keep saying that, but I did jump in and I, I, I did do a, a Stephen King Bag of Bones series mm -hmm. there about eight years How ago. How many episodes was it that? It was, I don't know, it was three or something Maybe it like that. Maybe doesn't count. Doesn't count. A real series. You know? A real Come series. On. A real this series like it. The Sun. This well, I had, I had been actively looking in the last four years mm -hmm. um, because of the work that's happening on TV, Game of Thrones, House of Cards, you name it. There's, it's fertile ground. It's very robust and muscular. And I wanted something which kind of, you know, if it did connect, I had a little annuity, something to go back to each year and carry on. You can go off and make your own movies and have a series at the same time. It's a well, you had that with James Bond for a while, too, <clears> didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did. Well, I've always tried to stay employed. <laughs> well, you know, that's it. Really, an actor's life. <laughs> well, so. But you work. Work does something to you. It energizes you. And so oh, on. it's essential to work. It's essential. I see actors I, who are doing, sometimes I can see in them, okay, I'm, I'm getting through this. I'm doing due diligence. But you seem to feed off of it. Mm, yeah, acting, acting for me is it's, it's my life force. It's, I don't know what else to do at this time in my life except paint, which I do now on a regular basis and have done for many years. So that's running concurrent with mm -hmm. this career of being an actor. But work begets work. And, you know, I'm at a point now where it's changing. Uh, it's, it's changing and consequently you play someone like Eli and you can bring hopefully some gravitas of your 63 years of life to the performance in some nuanced way. Well, you do, but you, you have what you bring to it as well, which is your Irish charm. It's there, no matter what the accent is. There's something <laughs> in you that has it. It is, it's there. Sure, sure, sure. Well, there you go, the Irish charm. Long may it last. I mean, the <laughs> accent was something that, did, did, you know, I came to this show at the 11th hour, and I thought, Jesus, I'm playing a Texan. How do I go about this? And <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I began to do my homework and worked with various voices and gave myself the grace that I am an Irishman and that Eli McCullough is a Celt mm -hmm. and that he would have, there would have been a burr of some sort there. Yeah. The accent that mm -hmm. I worked on was, you know, Willie Nelson, listening to Willie Nelson, Welling Jennings, Rick Perry, and finally Senator Ed Ted Poe. Really? For some reason. Uh, yeah, because my dialect coach would give me various people to listen to. And, and uh, somehow Ted Poe got up in, in, in Congress and gave this wonderful speech. And I, I just loved the, the emotion of it and the sound of it. And I would go to him constantly. And then I had these, this incredible cast around me of young actors mm -hmm. who were, you know, chomping at the bit. And they'd already had two months of preparation down there. And so they were eager to start. Well, you were talking, too, about the change in this industry that we do. Right. And I'm saying, again, the whole idea of people now watching things, watching a miniseries at their own pace. Right. You don't have to be there every week. You could just get all these episodes together and watch it as you want as one really long movie or not. Right. And you've experienced that kind of thing and change. I mean, not only when 
when you did Thomas Crown Affair, yes. Steve McQueen had done Thomas Crown Affair. Yes. You play James Bond, now Daniel Craig plays James right. Bond. What is that? How does that affect you? Do you watch it? Do you look at Daniel Craig as James Bond? Or do you just let that character uh, oh, go no, away? I, no, I'm very much a fan of Daniel Craig's mm -hmm. work. I knew Daniel's work before he became James mm -hmm. Bond, and I thought it was a great choice. And uh, <clears throat> I've seen Spectre, uh, not uh, Skyfall. Mm -hmm. Uh, the others I saw bits of, but Skyfall really knocked my socks off. I thought it was an outstanding piece of work from the franchise, and uh, it had great alchemy, storytelling, mm -hmm. and posture of camera and performance by him. But you, I remember the last time you were here, I think you were telling me about how you don't watch your own James Bond movies, that your sons had wanted you to watch it with them and you didn't? True. Why? Good Why are you so cruel to them? Good question. question. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I just find it really hard to watch those movies, uh, or any movie that I'm in, to tell you the any truth. Any movie, so it just it, goes across the it board. It goes right across the board. I, I mean, I'll watch it because I have to watch it. I have to watch the, see what the work is about, and then go out and sell it. But I don't take pleasure in sitting watching myself. With you, though, I'm fascinated, not just with the accent, but you coming from Ireland. Right. You talked a little before about, I mean, your dad left very mm. early in your life, right? Right, right, yes. Do yeah. you go back there? Do you go, what was the name of the town you were? I come from Navin. 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 I grew up on, on the banks of the River Boyne, and the River Boyne flows through Navin. Navin is in County Meath. And, yes, the old man left when I was a... When I was an infant, and uh, then I was, uh, you know, uh, my mother and I lived with her parents, the grandparents, and, and she went off to England to be a nurse to find new life. And then when I was about 11, I, I joined my mother in London, 1964. Mm -hmm. And how so. does it, what's the step from that, from rejoining your mother to you saying, I'm going to be an actor, this oh. is what I'm doing? Oh, I had no desire to be an actor at that age. I was just... Very happy to be, you know, back with my mother and to have a family life again. And Putney, South London, was uh, it was tough being Irish there. 1964, they let you know you were Irish. They mm -hmm. never let you forget that you were Irish. You were a Paddy. You were a Mick. A little of that might still be happening. Oh, there you go. You you know, you know, the skin is tough, but you still feel the arrow. You know, <laughs> yeah. but um, it's uh, but it was great. It was. It was the making of me in many ways because I began to, I suppose, give first performances there to fit in. I lost my Irish accent and you know, I started talking like that. Hey there, mate, all right? Yeah, yeah, you look, you looking at me? So it was all that kind of South London stuff. Mm -hmm. So And then it eased into an American accent. And then it eased into an American accent. Well, I, you know, I quit school at 17 and had nothing but a cardboard folder of drawings and paintings and... I got a job in a small studio in Putney, South London. Ah, basically just drawing straight lines and watering the spider plants and making cups of tea for the other three guys. <laughs> and uh, one day there was a guy from the photographic department and we were talking about movies and my love of movies and he said, you should come along to the Oval House. And the Oval House was an arts lab and I went along that particular night and the world changed for me. I was about 18 now. And um, 
And it was experimental theater. It was La Mama. It was Grotowski. Mm-hmm. It was mime. It was Lacoste. Mime is that's fascinating to me, because that I mean that's a really a, a great tool that a lot of actors have never done. Mm, I see even the, when they've been in, I mean it is because a lot of what. Right, even today, when I'm watching The Sun, yeah. there's a lot of scenes where you're not saying anything. Yes. You know? yes. You're just reacting to yes. what's happening there. Yeah. No, mime is an essential quiver for any actor to have, mm-hmm. uh, believe it or not. I mean, Wouldn't be good in an interview like much this if you were just miming. You know? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It was all going so well, Peter. <laughs> and then, then, and then we had you to just started mime. to be mime. <laughs> I did a fire reading act as well. So uh, I had a street theater company called Theaterspiel, and we did a lot of crazy stuff. But I did that for about three years, and then I thought, no, I really want to be an actor. I, 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 love, I love performing, and I love the company of actors, and it was just exhilarating. So I trained drama school, method, very heavy orientated method school. And then comes TV? No, I left. I, then, then, I, then I went off to become, I, I left, I got a job as a, uh, assistant uh, uh, acting ASM, acting actor, assistant stage manager. Hmm. So I was back to making cups of tea again. And <laughs> There's always that to fall back There's on. There's always you know? that. There's always that. <laughs> Who wants tea? One has to have humility. <laughs> Come on. Yes. So there you go. I mean, an actor's life. And then I did repertory theater, and then I began to... I did West End. I worked with Mr. Tennessee Williams in one of his last productions brilliant piece. Well, it was a beautifully piece of, it was a wonderful piece of prose. It's called The Red Devil Battery yeah. Sign. Mm-hmm. Um, dramatically, it didn't really kind of jump off the page or the stage, but for me it was brilliant because I got to work with him. And then BBC costume drama, and then one day I auditioned for an American miniseries called The Manions of America. Mm-hmm. And that was the ticket. That was it. That was the ticket. And then, yeah. but Remington Steele does something else. It says, suddenly you're a star. Mm. Not an actor in a thing, now you're a star. Mm. There was always humor in Remington Steele. There was great humor, yeah. yes. I mean, I wanted to be Cary Grant. I mean, well, Bob who Butler. Doesn't? Bob Butler, who doesn't <laughs> want to be Cary Grant? <laughs> yeah. Bob Butler, who directed it and created the show, said, We're doing an old movie. And I loved old movies, and I was well versed in many of them. So I went right back to the world of Cary Grant, and that's what I try to do. After James Bond, what you started doing, I love a movie called The Matador. Yes. It's just your oh. hitman. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a really eccentric one. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, that was a gift. That was a gift. You know, and they, you, just, you try to be an unexpected surprise, and sometimes you, you get the material, and sometimes you don't. In that particular case, Richard Shepard, who wrote and mm-hmm. directed it, gave me this beautiful character to play. And uh, it was lovely to crack the mold of what had been created. Yeah, uh, I mean, for him to say, yes, okay, Pierce, you know, get down to your tidy whities uh-huh. and boots and walk through a lobby, yeah. you know, with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do that. That's not a James Bond thing to do. That was just a conscious effort not to, and yet the character is fascinating. He's, he, well, it's kind of like jazz. I think Richard yeah. Shepard wrote it as jazz. He just wrote it and started writing it and 
got about 20 pages through it in the drawer, picked it up again, and continued in that vein. Yeah. So it, 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 and then I had Greg Kinnear to yeah. work opposite. So Greg is, is masterful in timing and the deadpan. So it was a gift. It was a real gift. Well, this show, as you know, always ends in song. You were here with you and McGregor, and you did some kind of pub songs together. Yes. And you're famous for Mamma Mia. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one of the first reviews I ever read was in the Sun newspaper, and it said, Pierce Brosnan couldn't hold a note if it had the Queen's head on it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, all right, don't read anymore. Come on. You did SOS. I did SOS. Meryl Streep was here, she said. Yeah. The toughest thing in any actor I ever worked with was Pierce Brosnan having to look with great love at me while I sang The Winner Takes It All. And, that, and he spent the whole day looking in a windy up. hilltop looking at me like I was the hottest thing that ever was. And she said, that's acting. You know, Bless that's her it. heart. That well, was it was it. easily done with that <laughs> woman standing before me. I love it a bit. That's it. Well, you can give me, you don't, it doesn't have to be ABBA, it could be an Irish song. Are you kidding me? You want me to sing? You do it all the Seriously? time. Seriously? A tiny bit, just the tiniest bit. And then you're free to go. Oh my God, what? Oh, oh, oh Mary, this London's a wonderful place. And the people are working by day and by night. They don't grow potatoes, nor barley or wheat, but there's gangs of them digging for gold in the street. Here Beautiful. If Steve Sondheim is watching this, he's going to create a musical just Go for on. you. Bring it on. <laughs> Bring, it, Bring on. it on. Thank All you. Right, Thank you. Good to see Thank you, Peter. You.